Hello and welcome to another podcast from the Nearly On Time Practical Medium. Uh, a couple things before I start. My furnace might kick down for three minutes and make a lot of noise, so I hit pause as opposed to trying to turn it off because it's getting cold here in this the, the uh, Chicago. So, and my trusty trusty heater is on, and um, so if it pauses once again, that's why. And if you hear any noise, I promise it's just my heater and nothing blowing up in your electronics. So, having gotten that out of the way, um, this is probably going to be a short comp podcast in the sense that there's not a whole lot of meat to this topic. It, it bleeds over into life contracts way too much, and as I was going through my first round of um, trying to lay this down, I'm realizing I'm sidetracking too much into life contracts, which I think is my sign that needs to be my next podcast. So, I'll get on to the that the podcast the next podcast. Excuse me, boy. Can I talk tonight? Um, can get on to life contracts and what we come here to do. So, but tonight I'm going to do what I promised and talk about parents and children who die together or within a short amount of time with each other of one another. Now, there's two the two celebrity deaths uh, I have mentioned in the last podcast, um, which was Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna. And you have um, Carrie Fisher and her mother, Debbie Reynolds. The, um, both of those deaths, they did plan them together to be, plan them before they incarnated. And this is why there's going to be the next, next podcast is going to be on life contracts because this all ties in. But I wanted to address the whole parent and child relationship and the passing together and um, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy of this um, experience, and why we do it. You know, why do we uh, incarnate and wipe out our potential for our futures? And um, it's more nuanced than that. And we're not necessarily wiping out our potential for our future because a majority of us have been here many times, and we have legacies from other lives that are still here and I'll probably tell that story in a couple of podcasts but the next one is going to be life contracts because that's just too big to ignore right now okay so Kobe and Gianna and the other family which I apologize for not being able to recall right now because I'm not into basketball that much and the death of Kobe and Gianna uh, really overshadowed their passing so but I am going to acknowledge that there was a bunch of people two families and one family I think how much of it two-thirds is wiped out and and probably about the same for the Kobe the the Kobe Bryant family my god I apologize um so it's a big loss for those who are still living and it hurts like hell and that pain makes you wonder why you know why do we why do we do this why do we come here and only to die in such tragic ways. Well, I'm going to stick to talking about the family members that passed and the family members that, and, and the reasons why. And so I will first start out, Kobe and Gianna, again, I do not like to tune into celebrities, but sometimes I my attention will get pulled in their direction and I try not to dig in too deep or look for any information because when celebrities die, that's something I didn't get to in the other podcast. It is kind of like, imagine the, the 1920s switchboard operator jamming all of those, those plugs 
into the, the switchboard trying to make connections. So you're a celebrity and you have all of these people crying out for you and you have people, you know, who are um, looking to talk to you on, you know, uh, hmm. Oh, I'm going to be nice right now. I won't name a name, but this particular YouTuber likes to use his um, radio frequency setups to try to talk to celebrities, uh, like not long after they pass, which is kind of rude, but a lot of people do it. So this is, that's just, I realize I'm sidetracking and I apologize for that, but I, I had to kind of throw a little shade out there. So I'm pondering the situation because when I do these podcasts, it's because a lot of times I've asked these questions. I've gotten the answers as they stand. Sometimes they change. Sometimes they, they evolve. But the answer at that time is what I pick up and I'm relaying. So I'm thinking about this. Why do you have a parent and a child passing together in this fashion? I do know from the Carrie Fisher and um, Debbie Reynolds passing why they passed. But all I got was and I got sucked into it a little bit before and before I pulled my my perception back out you, I just felt uh, I, I heard protection and this strong sense of enveloping uh, the child which so this is Kobe and Gianna he protected her to the end because that is what he said he would do for her when they died he would protect her and it, it's it's you know anybody who's a parent that's listening to this knows that they will go to the ends of the earth for their child to protect them and do what they can to keep them safe. And that is what we do as humans. And we do it as, the, you know, the non-physical versions of ourselves because we're still people. So the reason why this happened, and I apologize if, if I sound a little bit too clinical or too unemotional about it. I'm just trying to get to the, the nitty gritty practical reasons why. And in this case, both Kobe and Gianna, before they incarnated, they agreed that they would die together. That because one of them could be Kobe, it could be Gianna, decided that when it came time for passing, they were too scared to do it alone. And that is, you know, it's very simplistic, I know. But one of them said, I, I, need, I don't want to stick around for too long, but I need to come here and get some ex certain experiences. I need to do you know, A, B, and C. Maybe Kobe decided that he needed to experience life as uh, a famous individual. And he hit the top of his fame, and he decided that before he incarnated that that's when he was going to go out on top. And he did it. And maybe the spirit who came to be Gianna decided, well... I'm here because I want to be here, but man, I really don't want to stick around too long. And I, cause I hate the process of death and I don't want to go alone. And so they both agreed, okay, fine. We'll do this together. You know, they knew each other before they incarnated, uh, and because this is how this works. You do have to know somebody for some time or some incarnations to trust them enough to be there for you at the end. So they have been around together before and they decided, okay, this is what we're doing this lifetime. And this is how it played out. And it goes for the people, for the other family members on that plane. The uh, the bas I think it was a basketball coach and uh, some of his kids. Same thing. And every the adults did their damnedest to protect their children as they transitioned. And, you know, I, on one hand for me, I find it wonderful and beautiful. 
I get the whole sense and depth and feeling of what went on and when they um, when they crossed over and in the moment. And as far as suffering goes, um, I never felt a sense of um, terror or horror. So you can be assured that everything happened very quickly for everybody. So it's not like uh, there was a lot of, you know, the, I, the, okay, so I'm going to be a little graphic. Basically, they were out of their bodies before the pain hit, so nobody suffered much of anything, including the pilot. And the pilot, again, he's decided that he also made the decision that he wanted to go out early, too, and that he said, okay, this is my, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm going to do to go out. I'm going to go out, you know, on top or in a blaze of glory or I, I know that's kind of morbid humor, but you know, he, he decided that this was his thing too. Now, again, I am not tapping into anybody. I prefer not to. I'm just giving the information that comes to me through Ken about why people do these things. And that's really about it. They, they don't want to die alone. They don't want to, um, they don't like the process of dying. They don't want to be here for a very long time and they don't want to, um, you know, they just, they just need to get something done and they need to get the heck out basically. And this is pretty much the case of these families. Now, um, I'm going to pretty much close the chapter on that because it's, um, there isn't much more to say. I can't really find much more information there. It's not, um, it's kind of shut off because that is the way they wanted to go. And I'm not going to go saying, hey, guys, can you tell me more about that? Can I do an interview with you? That's tacky. However, that is the uh, general, um, what am I looking for? The general fat way these things um, progress, happen, how they come to be. So now I'm going to get on to the... Carrie, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds story because it's well known that the two of them one when, when um, Carrie passed uh, her mother just couldn't handle life without her so and she already had an existing heart condition so it was very easy to stress her into passing and it was just it's just I can't remember if it was congestive heart failure or if she had a cardiac condition but the strain and stress, it's, um, she probably had something, I'm, I'm not, I'm theorizing, but it's called Takatsubo cardiomyopathy, which make, literally means lobster trap. The heart um, malforms from the stress of the loss of somebody and it turns into, uh, it doesn't beat very well and it doesn't operate well and they probably couldn't recover her from it. So she may have died from a broken heart. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility, not that it's an actuality. I need to be, make that clear. I'm just theorizing. So in her case, um, the two of them did agree to pass in, in shortly of one another, and they also did agree that Carrie would, would be the one to go first. So the reason being is that Carrie, Debbie Reynolds, when she passed, she wanted to have somebody she loved dearly there waiting for her when she passed. And that, in this situation, happened to be Carrie. So Carrie passes, triggers her mother's passing, which is tragic on any any level, you know, as any death is. And, you know, but you don't like to think that, oh my God, I killed my mother. 
this is what it's what happened because they both agreed that they would um you know that carrie was going to be the one to be there for her mother when she returned home and then i don't know how many of you dear listeners are aware of people who are on their deathbed in like hospice settings or hospital settings or at home start seeing people who have come who have passed before them you know like they see their parents they see siblings they see friends um, any other relatives, you know, that they lost a long time ago show up at their passing. And we don't always know about it because the people who are in their, their, last, their final hours don't always have the ability to communicate or the desire to talk because it's just too difficult. So we don't always know it, but for those who are lucid enough to still speak to the living are always complaining, well, you get lost, you're, you're, you're interrupting my conversation with my mom and I haven't seen her forever. So in this situation, Carrie's job was to come back and wait for her mother to, to, to pass and take her home. You know, and it's, uh, it might be a little romanticized, but this is, this is really what they needed. Their concerns um, are so much bigger than the physical. And, you know, Debbie Reynolds needed her daughter there when she passed because their connection is much more than mother and daughter that both of them really don't live well without the other. So this is, um, this is what we wind up seeing is the, situa- the situation where a child passes, the parent goes. And um, it's got its own terrible beauty. I will not deny that because there is a beauty in watching death, but it's in, in seeing death and the reasons why we die. And it's, you know, and in, when you know for, with, the kind of sense that I have about the continuance of existence or the persistence of existence, you get a different perspective. It's just not so awful. So I have to remind myself that people uh, grieve the loss of the celebrities because they were a big part of their life and that they were inspired by them and that they were wonderful people to them. And to lose them like this is, is the worst tragedy for them. So I'm trying to be just kind of clinical and keep my perspective to a you know, narrowish focus so I don't get too um, dismissive, I guess you would say. Oh, anyway, so that is, um, that is why parents and children sometimes pass together. That's in accidents, um, you know, and I hate, you know, and you hear about things, you know, like murder, suicides and stuff like that. Um, it sometimes is agreed upon before they pass and well actually sometimes almost all the time <clears throat> I have to I have to, I was I was just corrected um, so you, know, you kind of have to take it as it is that you know and and take heart I guess you could say that it's not the end-all be-all they're not here in the physical doesn't mean that we've lost their existence entirely and when it's all time to co- our time to come home we will still enjoy what they produce because people who go back home that were an entertainer here they still entertain they still do stuff they still do the stuff that they love to do and that if it's entertaining people through media they keep doing it so you know um they go back to what they do the do and love the most and keep entertaining the masses so in that regard they have not lost their purpose and they are still doing what they want to do, and they are still enjoying the ex- their existence, and they are still enjoying entertaining people. 
so on that note, I'm pretty much going to, I think that's ex I'm exhausting any more input from parent and daughters because I got reminded actually of another relationship that is actually pretty cool and pretty beautiful on um, the, so I'm trying to remember, it's Judith Lieber Handbags. And some of you might be going, you've either heard of Judith Lieber and you never really paid attention because even though the bags are gorgeous, they were really expensive. Or you never heard of her at all, or you just kind of like, oh, yeah, something that I've heard about and I never cared about. That's really what I'm really about to talk about is not the handbags. I'm just trying to give some idea of who she was. So if anybody who is unaware of Judith Lieber, and it, she made these wonderful metal handbags, and they were like the greatest, neatest designs, animals, figurals, you know, like anything she could turn into a handbag and, and encrust it in rhinestones, she did. And they were Swarovski rhinestones we're talking about. They're really good stuff. And she did this for a long time, and um, she um, was supported through most of this, her career, by her husband. Now, I cannot remember her husband's name right now, but go look up the New York Times obituary for Judith Lieber, because it also is an obituary for her and her husband. Both of these lovely people, and I say lovely because I have nothing but admiration for who they were to one another, they married around the time of World War II, I think they married shortly after World War II because it's one of those war stories where they, you know, the love stories of World War II where they met. And as far as I remember, neither, they never had children. Her life was about making handbags and other fashion accessories. And I believe, it's been a while since I've read this, but I believe his job was um, working on the administrative side of things for her. And they, so you have this couple who work hand in glove with one another for their entire lives and their entire working career. They are partners in the truest sense of the word. They are madly in love with each other. And it, you know, couples that manage to go the distance and stick together for decades, they put the work in. And I'm not saying that people who divorce don't. It's just these guys were determined to make this last and they did it and I applaud them for it. But that doesn't mean people who get married and divorced didn't do the work either. It's just you have to read this obituary to really get um, the sense of what I'm saying. I'm not trying to judge or shame anybody. It's just an amazing story. However, both of them passed away, I believe, within hours of, an, of one another or within a day of one another. It was very rapid, uh, both of them. I mean, one passed, the other passed, and I don't think... Um, the, the remaining partner, the one I think, I don't remember who passed first. I didn't, ref I didn't do my homework and I didn't refresh myself on the story. So I apologize, but maybe it's good because you can read the story without too much, um, uh, foreshadowing for me. So one passed before the other, and I believe the one who still remained alive wasn't able to receive the news or maybe they, I just remember something about them, one of them being unaware of the other's passing. And maybe I'm making that up. I apologize for that. But the upshot is, when one passed, it was like she sent a signal out, or he sent a signal out to her or him to say, okay, it's time to come home. I'm here already. I'm waiting for you. The door is open. Come on through. And it's just, 
lovely and wonderful. And again, here we have two souls who, before they before they incarnated, decided that this is how they were going to they were going to find each other. They were going to marry each other. That uh, and they were going to let life take them where it will, and wind up with the perfect passing. I mean, how much more perfect do you get than dying within hours of your loved of your beloved partner? You know, and being able to go together, and you don't have to wait. And oh my God, we're gone. It's wonderful. But they had what a lot of people like uh, when a parent and child dies, or a husband and wife, you know, loses a part, loses one or the other. Um, you know, young, so to speak. They don't. Th th these two wonderful people got to share their entire lives with one another. I think seventy, like seventy years or more, or something like that. And um, so, in that regard they had it all they had everything they had perfection they had love they had a, a wildly successful business they had um <clears throat> everything they ever wanted and they got to live a long time and you have kobe and gianna who pass relatively young and it's more tragic the at the commonal the commonality or the common core of all of this is that all of us go through the same experience whether you're a celebrity or just an average person living their life to the best that they can a parent a non-celebrity parent and child passing will have the same experience of the celebrity parent and child and the parent will always seek to protect their child during the the, the passing so the it it's instinctive, it is natural, and it's okay. Nobody's going to say you can't protect your child when you pass. And the, the two of them, or however many pass together, will stay together, and they will be there in however much time it takes for the rest of the family to come home, which in some cases is decades. But they are there, and they are waiting, and they're not going to reincarnate before it's uh, before anybody comes home. And um, they're, they 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 still live their lives. They still do the things that they were going to do, and um, just not here. They're doing it on the other side, and it's obviously much more difficult for us living to comprehend that. But if it gives anybody peace um, to know that. If it gives some consolation that if the worst fears ever do come true, that a parent and a child passes together, that the bonds are not severed, the connection is still there, the love is still ex extant, the, the desire to be a parent is, doesn't go away, and you have a deeper understanding of the reason why you came to be with this person as your parent and the child. So uh, there is a little bit of a silver lining. Um, you know, the, the bond, death does not break these bonds. Death does not change the bonds. And the existence on the other side, um, while the rules are obviously slightly different, no thing that says that Kobe will not be a parent to, his, to Gianna anymore. Uh, it, she'll still get to grow up. She'll still get to go to school. She'll still have to deal with being grounded. And he will deal with still being a famous person and still with all that entails. 
on the other side because he still has lots of fans on both sides of the fence and that does that does is a thing from us our side and their side and he'll still have a career doing what he was doing just not in the this physical existence so once again practical mundane um normal we do the things that we do the we want to do the best and we got we the things we love to do the things we want to do and we get to enjoy everything with a different set of pressures on us you know there's time isn't an issue um money it doesn't have the same meaning and um living life is much less uh fraught with daily issues because well if you don't if you can't don't die what, what what's what's really there to stop you from living from doing a lot of crazy stuff so anyway i digress um the end at the end of it, the day we the living have to deal with their loss the living have to handle the changes have to go on with their lives and close the wound as best as possible and go about in you know life without that person in that role and it sucks but on the other hand it's temporary it will it will eventually the the ship writes itself as it were people start coming home to because the other side's more of a home than this is actually to us as strange as that might sound to some people start coming home and the balance is restored families are reunited and life goes back to what they everybody was expecting it to be before it got cut off so on that note um i'm actually managed to make this almost to 30 minutes so if there's any questions or input um please let me know emails in the, the box below um and uh feel free to contact me and ask me questions and um apart from that uh hopefully i have covered things that people fear or worry about or stress about and given a, a little ease again i've never raised children i've never been a parent i've never been a parent to stepkids or anything so i don't have the fears that a parent does and i do understand them but understanding is not living through them and i don't have the full insight of what do parents worry about with their children so if i can at least give a little relief and or alleviate the stress of what happens when i lose my child or when excuse me if i lose my child you know wonderful and if all i've done is explain things and given some food for thought wonderful i'm just here to relay the information as i can and you know field questions from the living and and put out information that people can think about and hopefully get some um, insight or some ease from so on that note i'm going to sign off and hopefully if my life goes um, back to a normal schedule by sunday and i'm not exhausted i'll do the life contract thing and it will tie in a lot to this conversation because of the factors in people's passings and why they did it and um it also will hopefully make a little make sense of a lot of things that uh we do in our lives so and, and i'm sure there's going to be a lot of people going wait what did i no how are you kidding me right well yeah
Not really. Life contracts are an interesting thing, and the, the only way that to, to the only words that describe what they are is those two words: life contracts. And I will just foreshadow that by saying, life contracts, just like a physical contract, are never written in stone, and they can always be broken. So on that note, until next time, be well, enjoy the journey, and be happy. Spring's finally coming. Maybe, I think. And talk to you soon.